Hello and welcome to the Sports Blitz. Coming up on the last Spring Break special, I finally reveal what's going to be happening to the Sports Blitz after the Spring Break at University is over. We go into the fall of Manchester United as we see how a club that once dominated England have gone from that to being purely mediocre. Plus photos in the living room, the yin and yang of uniform reveals, and how major leagues in America are coping with the coronavirus and their plans for the future. That's all coming up on Friday Sports Blitz. And welcome to the show today. How are we all doing? I hope you're still keeping well. I hope you're managing to deal with the crazy world we are currently living in. I know for a fact that I've, I finally, I think I've started to finally struggle with the lack of sports, like it's been fine um, over the last few weeks because A, I've been really focusing on my essays and B, I've had all of the replays to watch but now it's just getting to a point where we just, I just want some live sports back and all the conversation about live sports has just made me realise how much I miss it. I was writing yesterday and you'll see this later on about a, um, or you'll see it on Tuesday's show, sorry, spoilers, but I was writing about a particularly boring football match in the Premier League. And I was just thinking that the people leaving that stadium that day were probably leaving it going, well, I was boring. I didn't, I just 90 minutes of my life wasted. I remember commenting, I've lost 90 minutes of my life to a football game once. But, you know, I think in hindsight, I will never criticise a mediocre game of football ever again because... You know what, they'd be absolutely fine right now, I feel like. But, um, yeah, so hope you're doing well. And today's spring break special, the last spring break special, concerns the fall of Manchester United. If you do just want to skip straight ahead to the fall of Manchester United and check in the description box, you'll be able to see the exact second that the uh, Man United part of this show begins and where me talking ends, because obviously I can't tell you I haven't even edited the podcast. But I do think it's an interesting topic to talk about the fall of Manchester United. Um, obviously, my, my dad sort of questioned this when I first brought it up to him, but for a team that were conquered England for two decades to now being a team who you just would not even remotely put in the title race, uh, it's just really fascinating to see how they've dropped, and me, Josh Westwood, a Man United fan, and Alex Towles, a Bristol City fan, um, got in the studio, got in URY to record that. Maybe the last thing we ever recorded at URY itself, or at least that's the case for me, because as much, first of all, good news, we are going to be doing the shows again, they are coming back on URY, Tuesday 6 through 7, as per usual, like last term, we do have a show. However, it's going to be um, remotely recorded now because obviously we can't go back to York given the current lockdown and we can't go to URY because having so many people that close to a microphone is probably not the wisest idea at the moment. So we are going to be doing the show still and I'm very happy about that because this is like my main hobby and something I enjoy doing quite a lot. But um, we're not going to be actually in the studio which is going to be a very weird thing. Um, but hopefully it'll still be entertaining, it'll still be fun to listen to, and I, I already know it's going to be fun to record, because I, I don't know what else I'm going to do during the, uh, during my final term at university, except for my dissertation, obviously, but, um, yeah, so, fingers crossed, it all goes ahead as planned, it all works as per usual, we'll have more stuff, um, about how these shows will look 
on the actual shows themselves until then there's not really much more to say we have got a plan in place for Tuesday's show we've got a few news items that we can discuss but I will discuss some now um, just quickly just for a couple of minutes before we go into the main actual show itself I can't believe we're going to have a podcast that's over half an hour for the first time in like forever but um, a few interesting stories that came out this week we might discuss them on Tuesday as well FIFA have extended the 2019-20 season indefinitely which is a big sign that this season has to be completed. The Football League have also come out today and said it'll take 56 days, they think, to finish the current season, which seems about right, considering the playoffs have to be played as well, or, well, we would hope, anyway. Um, not that it matters for Leeds, because if Leeds go in the playoffs, we might as well give up and go home right then and there. Um, but, yeah... I think I think it's the right move. As I said, I've been I've always been promoting finishing the season, and I still promote finishing the season more than anything else. So I'm happy with this move. Um, people who hate Liverpool are not happy with this move because they see there are some people now who I am genuinely convinced would rather see Liverpool lose than their own team win, and that's just sad. That is so so sad. But. It's the only way you can... They spend all of their time just commenting on how much they dislike Liverpool. And it's so odd. We'll come back to this on Tuesday's show. Because there's a feature going to be on Tuesday's show. Related to this. But it's just really weird. I just don't care about Liverpool personally. And I just want to see the season completed. It's better than for me than Harry's proposal. Of just having Leeds go up now. I'd rather, I'd rather risk it for the integrity of football. Because that's what's most important to me. Um, just a couple other things to mention. Gary Neville has been attacking um, the way prize money and broadcast money has been is being distributed in England. He said, quote, you've got Norwich, who are bottom of the Premier League, gaining £100 million of broadcast money, and Leeds, who are top of the EFL, gaining £3 million. What we're seeing is the main structural flaw in English football, and it needs resetting, and I totally agree with Gary here. We're going to be talking more about the NFL next week on Tuesday's show, but they have announced the All-Decade team this week, so check that out if you haven't. Um, the virtual draft is going to be going ahead as of point of recording. There have been some worries from some teams that it could be hacked, but that doesn't seem to really be swaying any decisions at the moment. We'll have to see if that changes. And... Um, Finally, we'll just go through, uh, first of all, the NBA and MLB are now sort of kind of bringing up ha playing all of their games in one city to sort of complete the season, um, or start the season in the case of MLB. I think MLB mentioned Arizona um, recently. I know that's a state. Phoenix would probably be most likely. But um, just playing all of their games in one city and having it be this quarantine, sanitised city where no one's allowed to enter unless they've tested um, negative the coronavirus or they know they've had it and it's just like this overly sanitised city to make sure that no one gets it. I, I don't say overly sanitised in a negative way, by the way. But um, it'll be interesting to see if that works. I think somebody threw up um, Las Vegas for the NBA. Um, or, yeah, MLB in Phoenix, NBA in Las Vegas. So it'll be interesting if they go ahead. Um... Just a few other things. Um, F1 photographer Mark Sutton was taking pictures of the F1 Virtual Grand Prix from his living room last Sunday. That was very funny to see on Twitter. A driver called Bubba Wallace, who is apparently in NASCAR, I believe, um, he had an abrupt departure from the eNASCAR Pro Invitational Series 
and um, he, he, he essentially rage quit. He said, I don't, this is why I don't take video games seriously, because he had a bad um, day on the game, and, um, and because he's a bad player. And he decided to rage quit, and that's meant that pain relief brand Blue Emu have decided to drop their sponsorship of him. Which, it, by the way, might be the best marketing idea I've seen in quite a while, because um, there was all this... Um, all, all this sort of, like, um, anger caused by it, and he was responding by mocking the people angry at him for rage quitting, and they latched onto that immediately, and I hadn't heard of Blue Emu before, and maybe a lot of people hadn't heard of Blue Emu before, but suddenly they were trending on Twitter and trending worldwide, and I know some in the UK, and I don't know if they have, have um, their products over here. Um, just fantastic piece of marketing. I really respect how they responded to him. In their tweet to him, they said, bye-bye, Bubba, we're interested in drivers, not quitters, which, yeah, it's an absolutely just brilliant piece of marketing. I really respect them for that. Um, Song Hyun Ming will begin mandatory military service in South Korea, later this month and I, I would be I would be very um, disappointed with myself that I didn't mention that Patrick Bamford, the lead striker, has been learning to play Disney songs on a piano. There's not really any new story there, I just find it funny to bring that up. Um, the NBA say they want to crown a champion by Labor Day weekend as well. Josh Butler um, has raised more than £65,000 to two London hospitals uh, with a um, auction with his World Cup final winning shirt, not that his shirt won the World Cup final, but he um, won it in that shirt, and absolutely fantastic here, well done Joss Buller, and we've seen a lot of other great um, drives from sports people, raising money for good causes and for local hospitals and charities, with the um, awful situation we're facing, just want to say a big thank you to them for, you know, going out your way and raising all this money for these good causes in this particularly tough time. Just a few um, on this days for you as well. For April 10th, um, in 1916, the first professional golf tournament is held and the PGA is founded in New York. In 1936, John Madden is born, the former coach of the Oakland Raiders and NFL commentator, who, of course, has landed his name to the famous American football video game, Tecmo Bowl, no, Madden. Um, in 1947, Jackie Robinson becomes the first black player of the 20th century to sign an MLB contract. In 1953, the Minneapolis Lakers win their fifth NBA title in six years by beating the New York Knicks in five games. In 1961, the Washington Senators play their first game in franchise history. JFK is in attendance, but they lose 4-3 to the White Sox. 86, Vincent Company is born, the former captain of Manchester City, who was a captain on the Balotelli Aguero day, won the Premier League with them multiple times. And in 2016, in the 80th US Masters Tournament, Yorkshire's Danny Willett wins his first major title, three strokes ahead of Lee Westwood and defending champion Jordan Spieth. Just in case you didn't know, Danny Willett is actually from Sheffield, um, so a South Yorkshire lad who plays at a Rotherham Bates golf course for most of the time, but yeah, won the Masters in 2016, and it was an incredible um, thing to watch as Jordan Spieth simply collapsed through um, that final nine. It was absolutely incredible and seeing a guy from South Yorkshire win the Masters was just um, absolutely fantastic and a very memorable sporting incident. As much as I don't really care for golf, I'll be honest, um, the storylines and how Jordan Spieth collapsed in that game was just incredible. Anyway, I think I've done enough talking for now. Thank you for listening. Coming up um, right now is 
the Spring Break special, the actual Spring Break special, which concerns the fall of Manchester United. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Sports Split Spring Break edition. Coming up today, we'll be talking about the fall of Manchester United, sort of analysing where they are now, where they've come from, and seeing why we think Man United are in their current predicament. This podcast is part of our Spring Break special series as spring term at university has come to an end and all of our presenters are busy writing essays and revising for exams. So these are podcasts we recorded before the break. All information is accurate as of the 14th of March 2020. Obviously, with coronavirus and the unpredictability of the world in general, information in these podcasts may be outdated before release. This podcast is dropping on April 10th, 2020. Remember, the sports splits can be found on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, TuneIn, Breaker and Radio Public. And this is the final special of the Spring Break editions and we'll be back to usual service on Tuesday with a radio show on University Radio York at urwide.org.uk. So listen to that when it comes out six o'clock. And joining me today are the two guests who did the Premier League draft with me all of 30 minutes ago for me and all of two weeks ago for you. Hello, Alex Towles. Good afternoon. A man who is an Arsenal fan for the most part. Um, I, I I tend to, when people ask me what team I support, I say Bristol City because uh, I, I, oh. I, I, I'm fond of the way Arsenal used to play. Yeah. And I, I have a soft spot for them. I would not call myself a massive Arsenal fan. I'm not going to go and uh, be... You do have Arsenal gloves, yeah, though. I do have Arsenal gloves. So... But, but I'm not going to go and be, like, gloating at Spurs fans because all their strikers are injured. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not okay to gloat at people due to the fact that somebody else is injured anyway. Yeah, but you get um, my point. Yeah, I do absolutely get your point. So Bristol City, first and foremost, always. Which is Robins. the better way to go. I am a Leeds fan. You are. And Josh here is a Man United fan. Hello there, yes. Uh, how you have not murdered me at some point, I do not know. But no. Um, we'll yeah, get there eventually. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you've not murdered me, more to the point. Uh, I, Something you did promise on um, the NFL Blitz all that I time I did, ago. yes, because you mentioned that particular player too much. And he, he bought uh, the jersey of uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, I believe, just to spite me, mm-hmm. uh, the player having Right, uh, so in all fairness, from... first of all, yes. longest contract of the three I was looking at. And second of all, when I asked you and said, uh, <laughs> which of these players should I buy the jersey of? What do you guys think? You voted for Minka Fitzpatrick. I did, because it's a nice jersey and he's a quality player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, having been cruelly taken away either. from me by Alex, mm-hmm. um, I being a Dolphins fan and... And uh, Alex Steelers, Minka, the player, having moved Minka, across the states. Uh, a That's... fantastic, fantastic defender who I am gutted to have missed. I, I was incredibly confused by this person that transferred from Leeds to Man- from Manchester United to Leeds up until you said Dolphins. And I was like, oh. Liam yeah. Miller? He went to Leeds and from Man United. Uh... Danny Pugh? <laughs> Why did you give us Danny Pugh? I don't like you anymore. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Very, um, uh, of course, the more famous ones, Gordon Strachan went from Man United to Leeds, mm-hmm. as did um, Gordon McQueen and um, Johnny Giles. Oh, you forget about Gordon McQueen. Oh, that's yeah. a blast from the plan. Johnny that's, Giles yeah. as well, I think, came straight from Man United to Leeds. Wow. So quite a few um, have made that trip. Obviously, we've lost out a bit going in the other direction. <laughs> Seven, oh, Alan Smith. Alan Smith. Why Alan Smith would ever play for Man United is beyond mm-hmm. me. Well, uh, uh, Ferdinand. Anyway, so I want to start this by 
looking at if you follow TV, you'll know there's a saying called jump the shark, mm-hmm. which is the moment a TV show begins its downward spiral into cancellation. So um so comes it's, from it's when um, it peaks. Are you going to like, cancel yeah. us, Alex? No, no it's not when it peaks. It's when it starts the Being actual silly. downward fall. Yeah. So um, it's named after Happy Days, where the Fonz jumped a shark, and it was sort of seen as the show starting its starting to change into this really poorly written show that would eventually get cancelled. So we want to try and start this by figuring out where Man United jumped the shark, where the downward spiral began. Because there's an obvious answer, and an answer I actually don't think is correct. Okay, I think the obvious answer is Mm 2013-14, but I don't agree agree with that. Mm. Um, I'd say probably the decline started around... 2009, 2010. Yes, um, that's my answer. Yeah, because uh, you know, I'd sort of when I was really, really sort of getting into it. I think when you, I started watching Man United in sort of 2004, five ish. Yeah. Um, but when you're that age, you don't quite comprehend it. Mm. I don't think. Yeah. Um, so obviously, when it started to what was I, 2009, ten years old, something like that. Um, at nine, ten. So you start start properly sort of comprehending yeah. it, and. You could see after the sort of after Ronaldo left, really, I think is a massive marker. Mm. Um, I'd say because, that's probably the jumping the shark moment. Yeah, because you you get rid of who was the best player in the world at that that mm. period of time, and you don't replace him at all. Yeah, and that was the mark of where the Glazers really got in for me and I, the malinvestment. Yeah, because that's why I thought the obvious answer was going to be the Glazers by Manchester United, so I, which I don't because when you have Ferguson there, it's fine. Yeah. And with the players they signed in the years afterwards, it's, it's fine. fine. But then we come on to 0-9-10. Ronaldo's gone. Mm. And at this point, it seemed like the transfers to replace any players in general were worse. Yes. Were just much yeah. worse. See, I see. I I wouldn't pinpoint Ronaldo as a specific Well, the issue one. is, I think it would probably be a back, backroom staff move mm. that showed it. But I don't know Man United's backroom staff yeah. from the 0-9-0-10 mm. season. 0-10. Yeah. From the 0-9-10 season. For, and therefore, for me... It's uh, a couple. Is it a couple of years down the line? Um, when when did Owen Hargreaves leave? Um, I don't think it was there for oh nine ten, was it? Uh, I know he would have been. Because basically, I think it was twenty ten. Because basically, when uh, when Owen Hargreaves left and Paul Scholes retired, Manchester United they lost a bit of that grit and steel in midfield and that quality. Yeah, uh, twenty eleven. Yeah, and yeah. that ability well, to really shield a defence from the midfield, they never got back after they lost Owen Hargreaves. For me, me, the thing is, this is why I'm going to say 0-9-10 as well, is that when Man United, back in the day, back in the day, back in t- <laughs> so back in the day, when Man United were losing players, and they mm-hmm. lost players, obviously, lost players of influence, they'd always replace them with the best player they could. It would always be a wonderful player who would come in and would arguably want be one of the best players around already and would be able to continue that Man United domination. I mean, Beckham being the prime example of this. Yeah. Getting in Ronaldo but, a couple of years later, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, getting in Dwight York and Andy mm. Andy Cole to mm. back up Cantona and then take over mm. from him. And um, getting um, Roy Keane, getting... Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of the big... Again, Eric Cantona. Absolutely, yeah. They always signed the best players because mm. they were... At that point, the best team in the world, mm. and um, they could attract any player. 
by 2009-10, yeah. they were not signing the best players in the world. They were yeah. signing Nani. They were signing Anderson. These players Obertan. were acceptable. They were yeah. also signing Bebe and Gabriel Obertan. And at yeah. that point, that, 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 those the, were the first ones team is fine because the first team's mm. in place from Michael years Owen, ago. Big one, yeah. Yeah, Michael Owen. The first team is already in place. They're fine. But what you suddenly start to see is on the bench, the players on there are rapidly worse. Mm. And by the time mm. these players have started to resign from the first team, resign... By the time these players start to retire from the first team, mm. there is no one to replace them yeah. all of a this sudden. This is where I agree with you. I, I think not, not directly replacing Ronaldo, I don't think was that much of a problem. Cause I think, yeah, but I, I can't Nani pinpoint any hole. other. I'd just say the off-season of 9 10 the change yeah. in transfer policy around that time yeah, was when like, they jumped the shark. Yeah, when like when the decline in everything that wasn't the first 11. Yeah. And, and I think... Um, now thinking about it, that was a cause of um, what I was talking about with the midfield weakness. Yeah, yeah. So it got to the point where where um, Paul Scholes retired, yeah. and then all of a sudden in their midfield was um, Michael Carrick and Darren Fletcher, who yeah. um, we, while they're not that bad. Um, they, 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 they were not yeah. world-class defensive shilling midfielders. And while Carrick got much, much better later in his mm. career, he was never a defensive powerhouse, someone that was going to really shield the back line. And that's what they really could have done with, I think. So then we come on to the later years and we suddenly find that Man United are having to rely on these players, these mm. not, not high-quality players. They, they yes. sort of, yeah. They'd started from... In 0809, they had the best players in the world, yeah. and suddenly they were coasting on the past, whilst these younger players just simply were not good mm. enough. No, absolutely. Um, and I think a massive mm. sort of indicator, like you say, yeah. uh, that top quality yeah. uh, first time was fine, but then yeah. the bench is... Yeah, I, I think for me, uh, as, I, as I said earlier, Carrick and Fletcher, Michael Carrick, at his best, was one of the best deep-lying playmakers in the Premier League. And the problem wasn't that... He was he wasn't the issue. He would have sat there and done a good job. The only problem was they didn't have anyone alongside him to provide yeah. that that um, bite in midfield. Like Carrick put up decent defensive numbers, not great. Uh, they just needed someone alongside him that was going to do a little bit more of the dirty work, a little bit more of the running to allow Carrick to do what he does best, which is just getting the ball and spraying it around the park. No, absolutely, yeah. and I think the. Uh the non-retirement of Paul Scholes or coming back out of retirement yeah. is really, really telling. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. For this, as in they didn't have that quality and yeah. once uh, he sort of faded again, yeah. they brought in Tom Cleverley to partner mm. Michael Carrick. Yeah. Uh, the almost... Wait, year how come year... none of us picked him in our Premier League Exactly. Draft? The year-by-year <laughs> year transition from, yeah. uh, let's think of the midfield at the time, you know, Hargreaves and Scholes, mm. who were, you know, on their day, you know, unplayable. And like you say, Hargreaves had that real sort of tenacity yeah. to him. And then you go into sort of later years, you've got Darren Fletcher mm. coming on to the fore, Carrick really sort yeah. of mm. coming into his own. Like I say, a good so, player and a good deep yeah. uh, midfielder, but mm. you need someone beside him. Yeah. It was very bad. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, because Carrick went from playing more defensively and just kind of, uh, and while he while he had the passing range in him, Skulls was the creator yeah. in that midfield, and Giggs was the creator in that midfield, to being having to do all of those jobs at once and not having anyone to support him, 
And that's where the problem came mm-hmm. from Man United because they no longer had the supporting player. Yeah. Weird choice as well to have Damon Fletcher in that midfield because as good as a commentator as he hit as he is, <laughs> I uh, I don't know if I'd really have him as a as a football player per se. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, bad jokes yeah. always coming from D- me. Darren Fletcher, I think it's a shame because he got ill. Didn't yeah. He? Uh, yeah, yeah he, was, um, he was out for a long time. I can't remember what it was. It's uh, well, it's uh, I I really really like Darren Fletcher actually. Uh, he has a uh, obsessive colitis, uh, mm. quite rare condition. Yeah, uh, so as uh, you know, it, he's a massive uh, advocate for IBD and stuff like yeah. that. So he's, he's Still really got to play at the top. Uh, yeah, but yeah, he's he's come back actually from that. Yeah. Was fantastic. Yes. And, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, West Brom especially. Yeah, I uh, remember actually um, him coming back in my my first season properly going to see United mm. Old Trafford, and. I think this is quite indicative of the way United played mm-hmm. in that Darren Fletcher coming back was a revelation. Yeah. And I think um, obviously by that point, David Moyes was in charge and the the wheels are very obviously coming off. I think yes. we're sort of speaking more about a point where yeah. it's, it's more subtle than that. Mm. But when Darren Fletcher comes back and it's a revelation, you know something's been off mm. for quite some time. So I want to quickly mm. then talk about the final year of Ferguson. Yeah. Because yeah. that's when it becomes really... Well, yeah. maybe not... As soon as he leaves, it becomes really blatantly yeah. obvious that something's very wrong. But it, for me, the final year, Ferguson, no way should that side have won the Premier League. No. Yeah. It speaks to Sir Alex's uh, brilliance. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. He was able to paper over the cracks in such a way. Like, like there's papering over the cracks, and then there's taking a fissure and filling it with something that you don't have and making it work. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, 100%. filling it with Robin Van Persie, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, yeah. I, I'm not... His strategy for that, that season, um, yeah. and it's ironic because that's mm. that and the season beforehand is what really made me sort of say, okay, mm. I want to go and uh, have a season to get Old Trafford yeah. and obviously went up the next year and that happened. But um, going so, sort of semi-regularly and you see that side... Uh, which, like you say, a midfield of Tom Cleverley and Michael Carrick shouldn't be doing that well. Mm. But then you've got Rooney dropping in as a, sort mm. of a, a more defensive number 10. Uh, Shinji Kagwa sort of chipping in. Um, but mm. Van Persie absolutely dragged United to the title there. Yeah. And yeah. Sir use of yeah. him, I, I think, really, really yeah. showed something. I think yeah, you, just, you just outfired teams yeah. in when, that season. Yeah, when Ferguson first came to Man United, and more specifically when it really started working at Man United, the strategy was, if we score one more goal than them, we win. Yes. Yes. And that was very much what it felt yeah. like in 2012-13 as absolutely. well. He'd gone back to that. He'd gone, if, if, if we score one yeah. more than them, we win. The mm. amount of times, I think there was a, a result against Southampton, 3-2, Van Persie mm-hmm. got a hat-trick that came back from behind. Most games were like 4-2. Three two, four three, two yeah. one. There was no like um, Liverpool yeah. results like five nil, six yeah. nil. Yeah. yeah, super fun to watch, right? Oh, absolutely, so much yeah. fun. But also then, worth mentioning, um, Tavi. Yeah, but then David Moyes comes in. Yeah, just worth mentioning quickly that David De Gea was in goal for that year as well. And this yeah. was not David De Gea at the world beating level you were talking about. Yes. This was David De Gea at David De Gea in 2012. This was 13, David De Gea yeah. who's that, being dropped yeah. for Anders Lingard. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. yeah that was David. Oh De- God, I forgot yeah, about him. Was, was that that season? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was certainly something. But and me yes. going around the around the like yeah. playground at school, going, "Give him time; he will develop." But yeah, they, yeah, that was a rickety, rickety defense. Yes, and yeah. I think probably the only brush that you could tar furniture 
Ferguson's final years with at United is that he didn't do enough to fix that. And that's what I'm talking about, the change transfer policy. Because yeah. as soon as Ever and Neville leave, and you've got Vidic who's passed his prime, and a Ferdinand who's passed his prime, and you've got Fabio and Raphael, who couldn't even cut it in the championship, mm-hmm. playing as your two main right-backs and left-backs. That's back. harsh on Raphael. He's gone on and been pretty solid for Leon and Ligue 1. He, he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Still, he's, he's, he's had a solid. My points, I mean, definitely Fabio though couldn't cut it in the championship. Yeah, no, um, but looking at um, the trains and transfers policy, I'm not sure Ferguson had an awful lot to do with that. Mm. If you really sort of biography said uh, in the season, uh, in the, the off season before 2012-13, mm. uh, he went to the Glaze and said, "I want Shinji Kagura and Robert Lewandowski," mm. and he was told, "You, uh, you can have either or," uh, and they somehow wrangled Van Persie, mm. but. Uh, which is so obviously fantastic, yeah. but how did you get Van Persie, not Lewandowski? I'm not sure, um, but because yeah. um, Lewandowski, prob- they probably wanted like yeah. so they probably wanted stupid money for him. They were talking at least forty million. Yeah, yeah. Which um, which went right now. You're thinking that's <laughs> not very much, but then you remember it's 2012. Yeah, Van Persie was what million. twenty million. Yeah, twenty twenty five on Van Persie, and that was seen as a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there was a lot because let's. I, I never thought Van Persie was going to be a long-term saviour for Manchester no, United. No, he was never going to be because he came in at what twenty-eight. Yeah, yeah, but also he was just incredibly inconsistent on a like. He reminds me of Ross McCormack on the sen- in the sense that he was incredibly inconsistent on a season-by-season basis. Um, I for think, me, um, what it was is that his first his de- his developmental years at Arsenal were injury hit, and then he had a he had a couple seasons where he carried that Arsenal side and then Ferguson went you're the best striker in the Premier League let's have you and they did basically yeah yeah. that was like the revival of the transfer policy that we were talking about earlier the Man United getting the best player in the league regardless and and an exception that proves the rule though in that point yeah Yeah. Yeah. and and then his legs which are always slightly broken to begin with broke for good I think maybe Ferguson was willing to accept that not only because he knew he could get something out Mm. of him but because he knew it was his last season yes and knew I yeah. don't need to deal with this. Yeah, no. but I, I think that um, that selfishness from Ferguson might have been what did you down the line. Mm. Because mm. Um, we because Ferguson recommended Moyes, right? He and, did, and for that, some bizarre reason. That yeah. is a stylistic whiplash, right? Mm. From Ferguson's gung-ho side to Moyes's... Uh, he's done really well at Everton, right? But it's been more conservative, yes. more about keeping the ball and then counter-attacking, which Moyes was good at. And yeah. Moyes, uh, well, I, I'm not going to say he continued to be good at because we saw where he went after that, but I, I think his West Ham sides were always pretty good yeah, at Yeah, to be honest, I still think to this day that David Moyes at Man United delivered all he could have done. Yes. He did not overachieve, he didn't underachieve. Yeah. And therefore, sort of the criticism mm. that he gets for his time at Man yeah. United, well, he deserves criticism yeah. for what he did afterwards, mm. especially at Real Sociedad, yeah. was it? Um does deserve criticism. His time at Man United definitely does yeah. not. I, I think it's um, it's just the fact that you, if you're going to play that kind of conservative defense, more defensive style, you need to build it on a solid defense. Mm. As we said, we that defense to, yeah. was so rickety after yeah. Ferguson left. They needed significant investment yeah. immediately. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of the slightly talk about the difference between styles of Ferguson and uh, and Moyes. Mm. I think a lot of Ferguson style protected mm. the reputations of those players, yeah. like I say, Vidic, Ferdinand, yeah. Evra, slowing down. Yeah. Tactically very astute, yes, mm. but when you don't have that physicality yeah. anymore, Moyes' tactics expose yeah. that. Part. And that's when you need, if you're going to have those players that are greats, but they're slowing down, 
you need uh, in in defence. You need that midfielder that's going to screen them and cover them and stop them from being a liability. And who did they sign to do that? Marouane Fellaini. Fellaini. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant yeah. idea. Yeah. Um, and. That that's where obviously things start very publicly going awry mm. because Marouane Fellaini is a kind of number ten ish midfielder yes. and not someone that's going to sit and shield your defence. And then you play him in number six role, so and it goes badly. Yes. So we see Moyes leave, and then Van Hall, Mourinho, and now we're on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Mm-hmm. And the policy very much seemed to change from yeah. players who were good to players who are marketable. Yes. Oh. For me. Paul uh, Pogba, marketable. Uh, oh, oh, you're talking in the that, past. That was the first, and, yeah. The first and foremost idea was how marketable is this yes. player and also are they yeah. good? Yes, that now. Uh, not not anymore, I don't think. Yeah, that's I what happens though when you have a football club fan by marketing people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I yeah. think... Um, yeah, in in the intervening years, the Van Gaal era, the Mourinho era, it was definitely marketable. It was most obvious in, pardon me, the Mourinho era. Yeah, Zlatan like, in particular. Zlatan. Zlatan and Pogba leading that team. That mm. That's obviously just marketing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, and, and did it work? Yeah, it kind of did. But would it have worked better if you had a midfield that actually worked with Paul Pogba? Absolutely. Yeah, it probably would have done. They, they could have won the Premier League if they'd been a bit smarter no absolutely um yeah. that was i think the season when you've got pogba trying to come through and do stuff but you've not mm. got a midfield that's on his wavelength yeah uh, and people are shocked that he's not performing like he did at juventus when he's got mm. that midfield diamond around yeah. him yeah yeah who was it in there with team? him uh pirlo um marquis no no, no not at, not at oh, um, juventus at united in that first in that second season it was pogba and herrera was, it was ander herrera and it was Carrick, wasn't it? Yes, for the and, first season. Yes, and honestly, like it was, it was Ibra there that season. Uh, no, no, the second. I think season that was the season after. Yeah, because yeah. honestly, like, like looking back at it, Pogba, Herrera, Carrick is not bad when you've got Herrera of four years time. Yeah, but that, but Herrera when he first arrived wasn't Ander Herrera. Very as we temperamental. Know him now. Yes, um, Ander Herrera four years ago was a tiki taka Spanish playmaker. Yeah, Ander Herrera now. I wonder is we a got ball that winner. from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And Herrera now is a ball winner. Yes, and yeah. That's they, but Mourinho made him that, and that, that's I think something that you can give him a load of credit for it for his time at Man United is they took is he took someone that was just a really creative player in Ander Herrera and made him a tenacious ball-winning midfielder because that's what they needed. Yes. Um, mm. And, yeah, I think... I think he, he, he shouldn't have really well. had to do that. No. He should have had a player who was a ball-winning midfielder from the first yes. place. Yeah, like, uh, I, that's one... Like, sorry to jump forward about five years, but that's one thing that really rather annoys me about the way, that ha- way things happened last season going into this season, is that if you had the Fred of this season... Mm-hmm. And Ander Herrera stayed on. I think your midfield is fine. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, Bruno Fernandes yeah. is an awful yeah. lot for like, that. Yeah. But like, yeah, he does now. But like, if you had Pogba not in a strop, Herrera and Fred, 
I think that's a good midfield. That's a fantastic midfield. Yeah, yeah. like like Fred now. It's Fred just the, now. Yeah, yeah. Just unfortunately, the season of Herrera being good but throwing a hissy fit about his contract collided yeah. with the season Fred of was not good. Fred not being good because he wasn't used to the Premier League. Now he's used to the Premier League. We're seeing what Man United and Man City saw in him, mm-hmm. and I think he's. I think the the final thing I want to mention before I move on to Alex's question is they then get Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in as permanent manager. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how Man United, back in the day, could get the best of everything. They could get the yeah. best of what they wanted. And now they've got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as manager. Mm-hmm. Surely, if you want the best, um, you should be getting the best manager. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can see completely why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got the permanent job. Oh, yeah, I can. And right. I called for it at the time on yeah. a beautiful game. I said he should be given the yeah. permanent job. Yeah, he, he got it. Um, and we've, we 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 literally literally two minutes ago on this podcast we said it was a bad idea, but he's got it from a PR perspective, hasn't he? Yeah, I'm he's bad. got it because Mourinho's Mourinho's end was a train wreck. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, people like him. He's got space to fail before people stop liking him. Yes, and yeah. I think we've seen that over the over the year or so he's been in charge. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I don't think he'd have been given the lean. I think he would have been gone yeah. had he been Mourinho. Um, yeah. But he's like, so he's had the space to fail. Mm. And it, it probably helps as well. Yeah. I mentioned this on the first podcast version of mm. this show, which is that Ed Woodward has been using him to deflect criticism um, onto Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah. So finally, and before we leave today, Alex's question. Yes, um, and I'd like to transport us back to the 2012-13, well, the summer of 2013. Yes. You are um, Ed Woodward or whatever. You mm. are. You have got David Moyes as your manager. You have got however much money you spent on Mara Anfellaini. I think we decided twenty-eight million pounds. Yeah, so twenty-eight, twenty-nine. That yeah. sort of. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're we're assuming that is your entire summer budget. Yeah. Who are you spending it on? Here's the thing: smart American football teams and smart American sports teams in general, they know when their run is over, and they decide the window has shut. We are going to rebuild. I would have gotten a young central defender who was going to be able to come in and years later lead that side as a captain, as an inspirational figure, except that maybe for the next two, three years, we're not going to win the Premier League. We might not even be close, but we're going to be able to build up this young side, this energetic side, this exciting side, and I would have got a young centre-back. Can I I jump in to say that um, I think another small mistake that Ferguson made, well, it's not a mistake, it's just unfortunate, is that Phil Jones got chucked into the side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and, um, who who, who else was it? It was Phil Jones and Johnny Evans, was it? Coming through about the same time? uh, Johnny Evans was slightly earlier Uh, than that. Chris Chris Smalling, Smalling, yes. Yes, Yeah, Phil Jones and Chris Smalling, two young, promising English centre-backs that just got chucked in when mm. Id- when Vidic and Ferdinand yeah. were injured. If, and if, then when they yeah. both came back, just both got shunted out. If they were rotated with Vidic and Ferdinand, mm. I think, uh, and over mm. the last couple of years of Ferguson's reign, I think by the time he got to Moyes, he might have actually had a decent centre-back pairing. But yeah. because of uh, the... Because of just not... Look, you, you, you've definitely got to manage correctly and you've got to accept yeah. that it's not going to be perfect, yeah. wonderful title challenge immediately. Yeah. But... I think starting with that young core yeah. of players, like Man United yeah. had back in the mid nineteen nineties, you mm. would have eventually a very good yeah, squad. They, they, like there are there were players there with real potential, but we haven't seen that come to light because they never had Smalling the chance especially, to especially. Yeah. See what we, what he yeah. did at Roma. You know? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that, that that's not the question I asked. The question I asked was who would you sign. See, I'm trying to think of a young centre back back from then, and I can't think of. I, I do there. happen to mm. agree with your point, Alex, mm. about. That defense can somewhat be mitigated. Sure, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. Well, it needed pulling apart, and yeah. it has been pulled apart. Yeah. Uh, but um, 
Yeah. If you're talking about transition yeah. and uh, which is mm. sort of what's feasible and what's not, you can't just rip out that defence yeah. with the budget. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. a defensive midfielder who's going to mitigate that yeah. at that time, um, yeah. I can't look past uh, Kevin Streetman. Um, Ooh. Uh, I, I would in an Alder world, I'd want mm-hmm. someone better. Yeah. But uh, just thinking of who's more realistic at that price, mm-hmm. probably Streetman. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to say I think what I I think what they should have done is that that was the season that the Manu Matic went back to Chelsea, wasn't it? Uh, from Benfica, I yeah. Is it was think that one or the so? year or the year after? No, I think it was that one. Yeah, 2012, 13, uh, 2013, 14. Because I think if Man United got Matic when Chelsea got Matic. Mm. That would have fixed a big problem. Yeah. Do you remember how good Matic he was? was yeah, absolutely. Yeah, before his le- before his knees went, yeah. Yeah. he was so good. If if United got Matic then instead of Matic for one season and then his knees went, mm-hmm. I I think that would have allowed them. Mm-hmm. I I think that buys them a season to do some real scouting. Yeah, and it gives them a season to maybe try and bleed in Jones, bleed in Smalling, phase out Vidic and Ferdinand yeah. instead yeah. of trying to do that while the defence is already rickety and you haven't got any def- protection for these young centre-backs. Sure. Yeah. And then you don't think you need to have... I don't think you need to buy a centre-back then because you've got the centre-backs already there. Mm. The, the, prob- the, yeah, the problem, I think, yeah. is that they didn't have the chance to come That's in to decide. Um, by the way, we're not filming in the middle of a woodland. We are filming in URY, yeah. but yeah, the, there's a lot same of birds difference. in the background. Yeah, the, the window is open. The window and is wide open. you can hear the bird song and it's... Yeah. It's quite nice. Yeah. Anyway, I think that, I think that covers it. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. And that's all the time we have on our final Sports Split Spring Break edition. Thank you for listening. My thanks go to Alex and Josh for joining me. Thanks the for intro- Yeah, likewise. You're welcome. The intro and end music for the Sports Splits was provided by Kevin McLeod in Competech.com. We're back with a radio version of the show, finally, on Wee. Tuesday at 6pm, URY, University Radio York. Until then... I've been Alex Woodward, and don't just have a good week, like the best play in NFL history, have an immaculate one. Goodbye.